You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to the Grogs Podcast. This is Randy, and in the future, all your household pets will be weaponized. Uh, this is Jesse, and in the future, you will not have to bake your own delicious Toll House cookies. You will have a robot that will look like you and do it for you. His name will be Servo EX05, designate worker. And uh, it will be so poignant that Easy Bake Ovens for kids will no longer feature an oven so much as a robot Servo. <laughs> That's cookies, kids. <laughs> That's cookies, kids. <laughs> <laughs> What is new with you this month? Anything anything hopping your way? Uh, well, by the time that this goes live, um, it, it, British Fest will be over. But that's basically but we, what we've been kind of working on mm-hmm. around here. Getting together prints and, and just setting things up in general for the table that we'll have there. I've been enjoying... Um, seeing your, your, your tweets and posts of the sketch cards and stuff. Um, that's been fun. Yeah. I like seeing Trying. what, I like seeing what you come up with. And then, and then when you'd like, I like seeing the process too, I guess saying folks, if you're interested in seeing that, uh, my Twitter is at Jesse Kiefer, Jesse J E S S E. And then Kiefer, no space, uh, K I E F E R. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of, like, Doctor Who things and um, just generally any British thing I can come up with. It's been a good time because I, I find that I like a lot of British things. Like Alan Moore. Like Swamp Thing, which we'll talk about. He's actually, I mean, like, that's interesting uh, because there was that whole, what they termed the British invasion of comics at that time where Alan Moore... And a couple of other key British writers came over and were really stealing the show over at uh, the U.S. Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. What's up with you? Um, not a whole lot. I've been, I've gotten back on a music kick. I've actually been. Cre- I was, I was going to say, by not a whole lot, do you mean releasing an entire album of compilations? oh yeah well i mean that happened oh did that happen (laughs) since last oh man yeah yeah Yeah, that's i forgot (laughs) well yeah with 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 the electronic musicians group we released a compilation album based around colors the concept of color which is interesting i like doing those compilation albums it's always cool to like get all the all the artists in the group um together and see and like i enjoy my 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 situation cuz i kind of supervise the album and put it together and upload it um when after everybody submitted the tracks and 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 stuff um but i get to hear everything first <laughs> i kind of like being in that situation yeah. like in this case like it was over half a month before it actually came out i pretty much had 
almost the entire album sitting there ready to go. So I was able to listen to it. And also one of the guys in the group did the cover art this time. Oh, is that, uh, is that Joe? Uh, no, the cover art this time was, who was it? Simon Miller, I believe. Oh, I, if I'm going to get, if I get that wrong, I'm going to feel so bad. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. It was good. Speaking of Brits, uh, Simon Miller put together the cover art and then for the, um, like rear cover and other insert stuff I do, I took like elements from his Photoshop file and kind of altered it and, and, and filled in the rest of the album art. But yeah, that's, that happened. Yeah, check that. How can they find that, Randy? Uh, they can check that out. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm so, I'm, <laughs> I'm so used to throwing this stuff out on EMG Radio, but uh, I'm this like that's pretty much like all about promotion, and I'm not used to doing it over here. Um, if you go to music.electronicmusiciansgroup.com, I know it's kind of a long title. Uh, go there and. Uh, you can listen and download the compilation album for free. In fact, there's six compilation albums. This is our sixth one um, we've put out. And it's a lot of like, it's the electronic musicians group, but the people in within our group, um, there's a lot of variation in style. So you'll get, I'm not going to say techno, but you'll get like a dancey type track and more like um, what you might expect electronic dancey type track. And then you'll get a uh, a very orchestral, uh, moody cinematic track, and then you'll get uh, like a death metal track. Like we have all kinds of members in the group that do all kinds of music, so it's always an interesting mix of styles and genres. When I kind of mentioned uh, Space Disc Jockey, because doesn't he do a little bit of like almost uh, illustrative comic book? style things with his uh with his releases yeah he does a lot of artwork stuff and he does some very cool things and with his last album he released he actually put out um you can buy it with a uh i'm trying to think of exactly how he put it like an art comic book in which he did all the artwork and it's a lot of there's mixed media stuff there's a lot of illustration illustrative stuff he did in various styles and then there's also like some kind of photograph stuff incorporated into it. And I'd like to, I, I want to write up a story, but I want to, I need to get more information from him. I'd like to do a, a, an article, a post on it on the website sometime. But um, yeah, he's always doing, he always has an interesting visual aspect to his releases. Spacediskjockey.com. Check that out for more interesting stuff and take a look at it. I'm pretty sure you can get like kind of a preview of the comic book that accompanies his last album. Aside from that, I've started working on my own solo album finally, because I've been promising one for almost two years. And (laughs) yeah, I I know, I know how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that one became like, I had this concept and the concept ended up, ended up (laughs) betraying me. It just became too constrictive and I lost a lot of, like, I just kind of hit a wall there, but I kind of took it this other direction. I'm really excited and by possibly even next episode, an album, I'll have an EP out. And so I'm super excited about that. I know that's not comic. Yeah. Super excited. It's come together so quick and it's cool sound. Uh, it's something that, uh, 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 
a nerd based audience might enjoy. I'll wait. I'll wait. I don't know if that'll be something that'll cross over over here, but <laughs> when that comes out, well, maybe I'll mention it next episode and people can check it out, but it's a, uh, it's got a very retro sound. Awesome. That's what I've been up to, man. I'm, I totally forgot about that compilation. I'm glad you've mentioned it. <laughs> it was in the can. You were done with it and you're, you're on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think that, I think that applies, you know, like doing web comics, um, you know, sometimes like Just for Kicks was my, one of my first like really serious uh, webcomic endeavors, and I felt like it could only take me so far. And eventually, I I just didn't. It was too too limiting. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, and then we had all those snow days a couple of years ago, and I came up with Tank Monkey. I think I talked about this in the first episode. Uh, but you know, like Tank Monkey, I could take that anywhere. And so just for kicks, it's not like I didn't love that idea. It's not like I didn't love the stories I was telling there. It just, it was too limiting and I needed, I needed to be able to say more than -hmm. what I was saying with, within the confines of that story in that universe. Mm -hmm. Just for kicks isn't dead, but it's kind of, it's on an indefinite hiatus. Uh, I know how it ends and eventually I'm going to come back to it and end it properly. But for now, uh, you know, there's there's tank monkey stories to be told. And uh, like you, I've been promising a tank monkey book for far too long, but it's going to happen. Mm. So that would be awesome. It's coming. I just need to finish the current story arc and then I've got enough. Uh, I've got enough content uh, that I could put one out pretty easily. I just need to finish the story arc I'm on and get together some bonus content for a print edition. And then it'll be there. I just got to make it happen. I'm kind of curious, what would the process for you be like um, for putting together a print edition? Uh, is there a company you would go through that, that uh, prints them out for you? Well, I went through Lulu for the Just for Kicks book. Mm-hmm. And they they are a really simple uh, self-publishing print-on-demand platform. Uh-huh. Uh, I really felt like putting it together was was no brainer. It was foolproof, but it, it's also kind of expensive. So um, I'm going to name drop Axton again. Uh, we were looking at uh, publishing for him, and I, I took a look at CreateSpace, which is a Amazon company, uh-huh. and you can just you can just do to so much more uh, for a much lower price point for creating so that's probably where i'm going to be heading uh with the next book now is is that also i believe it is i I, i've looked at it for various other things um create space is that also print on demand it is it is and it's also attached to amazon so that's not only yeah not only do you have your book uh available through the create space store you also have it automatically uh, allowed or, you know, it's offered on Amazon as well. So, you know, people trust Amazon. So it's going to be a lot easier to go ahead and put your, your book out there and market it for people. that are like, well, who's this? What's this thing that I want to do? Tank funky. Is this legit? Well, go check out my book on Amazon. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's a big, yeah, that's a big deal having the Amazon connection because every, I mean, 
Yeah, Amazon's one of the biggest online retailers. People trust Amazon, and they know Amazon. Well, and they even own Comixology now. I mean, mm-hmm. bringing it full circle back to comics, you know, it's uh, Amazon's a big player in in the comics world now uh, for so many reasons, and part of that being the self-publishing. Mm-hmm. The create space, the Comixology, they're really going crazy. They've even got their own phone now. Did you see that? No, I did not. Yeah, it's like a was it the Fire Phone or? Oh anything? yeah, that kind of makes that's kind of makes sense with uh, the direction they were going with the Kindles because they were essentially becoming uh, tablets. Right. A lot of people. There was a lot of news going around when Amazon bought Comixology, and there's a lot of seem like conflicted feelings online about it. Yeah, and you know, I I kind of understand it a little bit but part I think a lot of the problem is the way that Apple does things uh, the way that the mm. in the in-app purchases the way that that works through Apple is a little a little bizarre because they want you to use their system for buying things within an app and when Amazon took over they don't need to do that they have their own purchasing platform Amazon payments. So they kind of that, you know, like they disabled that feature for the Apple app, and a lot of, that makes people pretty mad because everybody that's got an iPhone then couldn't do it. They couldn't buy their comics through the app, which is the app they read it. So they'd have to go online, buy the comic. Oh, and now it's in the app. Yeah, so it added right. another step, and people don't like extra steps. So yeah, and from what I understand, um, Apple insists. On they Apple gets a piece of in-app purchases, which I believe right. is why Amazon nixed that. Um, yeah, I think you're right about that. And and yeah, that I mean that that sucks for users because it is that is another big extra step. Whereas from what I believe um, before, it was super simple just to like, oh, I'm done with this issue. I want to read the next one and 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 buy it. So right, and that's that was kind of the thing. It's that impulse buy when you, you know, like if you're on a trip and you're reading a comic and you get done and you're like, read the next one. Yeah, I will. And so you just, boom, you buy it because it's there. I don't remember how we even got on. Oh yeah. You were talking about Tank Monkey book. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was a good tangent though. That was good. <laughs> um, cause we don't talk a lot of new stuff on the show, which is okay. It kind of keeps the show. St- I like the uh, George Carlin um, concept of keeping it timeless instead of timely, but mm-hmm. that was kind of a big no- news story a short time back. So yeah, I did want to talk about that a little bit. Right. So if people wanted to get excited for a future Tank Monkey book, Jesse, where would they go? Oh. <laughs> well, uh, you know, to wet your whistle on a little bit of Tank Monkey, you could go to TankMonkeyComic dot com. Um, if you'd also like to check out the things that uh, Axton and I have been cooking up, uh, you can go to tankzombiestudios.com, which is kind of the presence that we have at conventions like British Fest, which is coming up uh, tomorrow. Oh, that's crazy. It's here. Yeah. Are you, and now you're planning to come? Are you going to? Um, a Sunday. Well, you know, it looks looking at the schedule, um, it looks like a lot of the really cool stuff is going to happen on Saturday and Sunday. Even though Sunday is an abridged day, there's some pretty cool panels and things. So, I, I don't think that you know, like your money, will be, 
your money will not be wasted. I definitely want to see. I definitely want to see. I want to get in there and see the uh, TARDIS console. Yeah. Yes. Have you seen pictures of it? Yeah. Um, that looks pretty awesome. And then I believe they're doing the puppet Doctor Who on Sunday. Yes. Yes, the timey well, the timey wimey puppet show, uh, and folks, you can see all this stuff um, if you if you check out the website BritishFest.com. Uh, it's also on Weebly, so you can go Weebly.BritishFest.com. Uh, you can see links to all of these things. Uh, like you can see pictures of the it's the Tom Baker uh, Doctor Who console. Mm-hmm. This, uh, gentleman Moose, who is uh, pretty much spearheading the whole thing, he's done all these incredible sets he did uh from harry potter he did platform nine and three quarters he did uh the facade for bag end from the uh lord of the rings and the hobbit movies um what else did he do he did all sorts of things and he he built a dalek (laughs) so Mm. it's it's gonna be pretty cool there's gonna be panels Uh, mark ryan is gonna be there I think this is going to be a fun one. Even though it's their first year out, they're going big. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you have a, a webcomic you'd like to talk about? You know, since uh, since British Fest is tomorrow, it, uh, listeners, it'll already be over, I, I'm aware. Uh, and every, I, I realized this after we wrapped on the last episode. Every episode, I hem and haw about how... Uh, I'm like, oh, should I review a, you know, the comic of a friend? I'm going to tear that Band-Aid off. Today. <laughs> Do <laughs> like, it. From now on, you're not going to hear me hem and haw. I'm going to review comics whether they're my friends or not. Uh, but by tearing that Band-Aid off today, I'm just going to review Zombie Oaks. Oh, nice. Because uh, I have name-dropped Axton, I think, in every single podcast that we've done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, zombieoakscomic.com is where you can find Zombie Oaks. And it's done by uh, the singular Axton Kaler. Um, you know, disclaimer, uh, Axton Kaler is a good friend of mine, and uh, he's a co-worker with me at the schools that I work at. Uh, but looking at the comic, I've been a huge fan of his comic since uh, before it even launched. Uh, I got to see a lot of the work that he put into it in the beginning. And it started out as this haiku book. Like he did this, uh, the whole premise is that there's this zombie that is not necessarily like a brain-eating, evil, you know, like this mindless, just hungry beast. Uh, I, I just love the entire origin of, the, of his story because it actually happened as a lesson in Axton's classroom where uh, one of his students asked him, because he loves to draw zombies, and he loves to draw just, you know, kind of the rotted flesh type of gross zombies, as his students would put it. And so this girl piped up in class and asked him, why do you only draw gross zombies? And so he took that challenge to make a friendly zombie that instead of eating brains, eats like spaghetti with meatballs. (laughs) And so that's kind of where he was born. And so uh, the zombie next door was how he started out, and that's how he was uh, known. And so he released a book, which was told entirely in haiku, and it was just these observational things about uh, how would this undead creature kind of view the world that we see every day. 
and and how would he be confused by it now that he's living you know life life or unlife through a different perspective so that was the original precept and the, or the concept and then he spun it off and zombie oaks the com- the web comic and and the the print editions that he releases uh are the story of it's like the origin story of that zombie uh at the very beginning you find out that that he was a, a person just like everybody else and uh you know without without spoiling too much you know you kind of get the gist right off the very beginning of his story that uh it all occurs via a bad batch of chicken nuggets, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a, a social commentary right off the bat, but it is it is the most delightful blend of uh, just bizarre pop culture uh, stylistic artwork. It's 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 kind of I don't think that you can find anything like it on the on the web, and I think that's what any good web comic artist kind of endeavors to do is is to find a new way to tell stories uh, that we haven't seen before. So <laughs> I, I don't know I, I I don't want to pigeonhole this into a quick synopsis, but uh, the, the you're you're going to see things like super-powered chickens. You're going to see mad scientists. Eventually, you get to see zombies. Uh, you have uh, Russian snipers. You have uh, like mutant creatures that that uh, grow off of people. Uh, you have tank monkey show up for a couple of issues. You you even he, you even see some time travel happen in in recent. Uh, installments or updates uh where you even get to see a little bit of uh tank monkeys uh ancestry or you know like back in time and so tank monkey actually makes appearances even in in this comic nice so you know uh the the artwork has got its own kind of look to it you like they they're um the the figures have no noses the uh they're they're a little bit squattier in the legs like they have shorter legs proportionate to the top half of their body and and some folks have have made complaints about that but it, when you know it's a stylistic uh decision that's that there's purpose to that it gives the comic an overall look that uh makes it unique uh-huh. i think in in the landscape of the internet where you can see a talking head comic you know every other Every other click, so I heavily recommend uh, zombieoakscomic.com. Uh, not unbiased, but uh, I think it's worth your t- you know I think it's worth anybody's time to take a look at it because he he jumps around so much that you're inevitably you're going to find something about the comic that you find funny or that you can key into. I guess I should say uh, Axton is on. He's on Twitter. He's on Facebook. You, you can find him by searching for Zombie Oaks Comic on Facebook. You can, uh, I, I believe, his uh, Twitter is at Zombie Oaks, and I can double check that. Here, I'll, I'll take a, in, I'll take a look. I'm on the page now. Um, yep, okay. at Zombie Oaks on so Twitter. He got, yep. he's super active on both Twitter and Facebook. Um, if you if you watch his Twitter feed, you're going to see a lot of he. He tweets his process all the time. So if you're really, if you're a process junkie, if you love to see how things evolve, 
uh, definitely follow him on Twitter because you're really going to enjoy the things that uh, that you see there. Um, also, um, I asked before before we started recording the show, I uh, sent him a text and I asked him if there was any uh, all ages friendly wisdom that he could provide for us. And the text that I got back was be excellent to each other. Oh, nice. So I'll follow that up with what Abraham Lincoln would say. And that is party on dudes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking at the Facebook page. Uh, the Facebook page is facebook.com slash zombieoaks.comic. I enjoy your guys' uh, uh, tank zombie Facebook page, too. Yeah, we try to put some fun stuff up there. It, it gets kind of hard to come up with stuff that... We haven't already posted on our own respective pages. Sure, but I, I, I think we try to we try to do it without overdoing it. For all things nerdy, visit the Grolix Podcast YouTube channel at youtube.com/slash Grolix Podcast. There are new videos every week. Get the scoop on current headlines with Comic News Roundup, hosted by Animated Randall and Melanie. Listen to full podcast reruns with chapter skips to jump right to the stories that interest you, and access to the all-new and amazing shows that try to pop out of our brains and into your eye holes. That's youtube.com slash Podcast. I mean, we could talk about Bill Watterson's return, uh, but I don't have a whole lot to say about that. It's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And maybe, maybe it's just um, coincidental, but I've noticed uh, a lot of strips have been have been have been doing lots of Calvin and Hobbes homages lately. Yeah, he's you know he's popped up a lot. There's uh, there's a new documentary that just came out, uh, Dear Mr. Watterson, that you can watch on Netflix. Yeah, I've been curious about that. Yeah, it's it's a decent little documentary. It does, he, you know, like he doesn't he doesn't key into it. I mean, he's not involved in it. It's just kind of like about him. But then there's another documentary done by Dave Kellett uh, called Stripped, and it's all about like kind of the kind of the history of uh, comics going from uh, newspaper strips into the now, so the the web comic uh, marketplace and and beyond. And uh, Bill Watterson first kind of, you know, like peeked back into the public eye with that because he did the poster and I think it's going to be it, uh, the cover art for the documentary for Stripped. And so everybody's like, oh, my goodness, Watterson still exists because he's really kind of a hermit. Yeah. Like, hasn't been publicly seen or heard from in, you know, like decades. And then all of a sudden, boom new poster for this documentary and uh he uh, actually submitted some i don't know if his audio or just like he wrote out some information for it i think it, i think it was actually the voice i think he submitted some audio tracks for it and then boom you know uh pearls uh pearls from swine mm -hmm. he you know it just came out that he did those kind of incognito did those uh i think it was a series of three strips or was it more than that i think it was just three yeah just three where he he drew panels for this uh for the strip and it, it was, they were pretty good i mean yeah that's that's awesome like 
what a sweet deal for I I I, I in that Stephen yeah Stephen Pestis yeah what a sweet deal for that guy like I bet he was yeah over the moon I yeah it's like it's like us talking about uh, Swamp Thing and then Alan Moore's like yeah I'll come on your podcast and real quick <laughs> real quick <laughs> tell you a little bit like what. That would be amazing and also terrifying. Yeah, exactly, and I can't. I can only imagine that that's a little bit how he felt, you know, because oh. he had to he had to send some notes back to Watterson and uh, like help him out technologically a little bit. From what I understand, from like the different uh, articles and things that have been posted about it, like, yeah. Watterson's super old school. Like he does his color via watercolors, and so like. Using Photoshop to add things in wasn't really something that he does. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Like, he was prepared to mail originals. <laughs> Which is like, that's just not done anymore. No. Really. No need for it, really. Well, what's it been? It's, I'm trying to remember, like, 19, 20 years since he was actually, like, publishing anything on the uh, regular? Oh, I, w- I should know this right off the top of my head, but I, I don't. I think it was something. I think, I think it ended sometime in the 90s. Yeah. 1995 was the last Calvin and Hobbes. I love me some Calvin and Hobbes. It's it's brilliant. You know, like uh, Louis, even Louis, uh, who who doesn't, you know, like, not that Louis is not real well read, but he doesn't, he never really liked reading. But he loved Calvin and Hobbes, uh-huh. like the books that Louis uh, treasured most were, I think, the Calvin. I mean, I can't speak for him, but I think his Calvin and Hobbes treasuries were his favorite books of all time. So it's just so universal. Yeah, it really is. That's true. I know one thing we could talk about a little bit because it's something that's uh, we've messaged back and forth slightly. But um, this issue of uh, um, Marvel numbering, yeah, well, yeah, and and bloating poll lists, yes, and I blame Marvel and DC, and I understand that they're in the business of getting your money, yeah, but they need to tone it down, I think. Yes, yeah, like my my poll list usually, like I'm a pretty. I feel like my poll list is fairly conservative and and some people are going to hear the numbers and they're going to go, Whoa, you spend way too much money on comics. Uh, but my, my poll list on a normal month is something like 60, 60 bucks. You know, mm-hmm. like I keep, I keep my poll list fairly trim. It jumped 40 bucks this month. Woo. It was over a hundred dollars, and I it, it really was like, whoa, what happened? And part of that was that I added Amazing Spider-Man and Original Sin to my list. Well, I assumed that that meant I would be getting one issue a month. That's kind of the standard. Well, they've been releasing all these, uh, you know, like point one and point two issues. Point now. So, yeah, they've added. <laughs> They've added all. They've made every issue like its own mini story arc, and not only is it super confusing, but it seems like I, I'm just going to have a deluge of these comics, which 
you know, I, I'm so backed up on my reading that I'm not even going to get through. Uh-huh. It's just not. It's just not what I expected when I said, "Go ahead and add Amazing Spider-Man to my list," because I want to know, you know, how Peter Parker comes back. Yeah. Which, which you know, like, kind of a tangent, but I, I was, I was really happy to hear he was coming back, and I feel like that first issue was done really well. Now, after after saying that, do I want to have to read point one? And point two and point three of the first issue. No, I want to go on to the second issue and keep on trucking. I shouldn't have to have like backstory for what should be a standalone issue. If it's not an important arc, then you trim it just like a movie. That's how I feel about it. Yes. There's all sorts of scenes that get trimmed from movies. Same thing would happen with a comic book, but this is like, like in some respects, I can see why people would like it because it's like the extended scene. But I feel like that should be its own little miniseries. It should be like a a title you could add on as an aside. But this feels like we're going to just slap in some miniseries that uh, you didn't know you were getting into your regular monthly subscriptions. And their monthly rate's gone up. I th- I think I've heard that they're going to increase their rate to, like, almost $5 an issue now. Uh, you know, I've kind of seen that creep up. At least the way I've observed it. It kind of seems like once in a while they'll be like, well, here's a, you know, here's a special issue. It's a little, it's got a couple extra pages or it's got a thicker cover and five bucks. And right. Then, and then that happens more and more until finally it's just, they're all five bucks. And, yeah. Well, and you know, like with Marvel, it at least they kind of had that bonus um, offering where you, if you bought it at this, it's kind of more expensive, uh, but you also get the digital copy free through Comixology and and through their Marvel uh, Marvel dot com digital. So you were at least getting like that digital copy with it, but it's still it just seems like it's inflated. And it's, I don't know that the books where you don't get a digital copy, I don't know that it's that much cheaper. I do like that Marvel does that, mm-hmm. but DC does the, um, they'll do the regular, the regular book and then they'll have the combo book, which is usually a buck more. And that has the download, the same type of, uh, digital comic code. And I like that Marvel does that. And when, when I buy a Marvel book, I'm like, oh yeah, all right, I'll, I'll get the digital. Um, but for whatever reason, I never opt to pay more if I have the choice on a DC right. book. Yeah, Marvel's probably smart to just kind of offer it as is. And their wording is that it's it's a it's a free bonus. It's yeah, bonus. they call it bonus. Yeah. So that you're not paying more for it. You're getting it for free. You're just paying more for the book, you know. Yeah, you're still paying for it, but no, it's bonus. Now, I'm having the same pull list bloat issue, and it's kind of my fault, but with DC, because they've started the weekly, they're doing, right now they're doing two weekly titles, and one of them is Batman, and it's yeah. it's it's main continuity, current story, Batman stories, so, and this is of where, you want it. <laughs> yeah, and this is where it's my fault, because, yeah, I want it, I want that, but it's weekly, and so instead of you getting this one title, you're paying for four books every month. And I know it's only for 52 weeks, but that's, well, that's a year of, if, if, if my math is right, that's a year of 
four books a month on this one title that I otherwise wouldn't have to get. I was actually, because before they dropped um, The Dark Knight, I was buying Batman, Batman and Robin, Detective Comics, and Dark Knight. And I heard they were dropping Dark Knight, and it wasn't always consistently the best, but I enjoyed it. But I was mm-hmm. kind of glad because I was like, okay, well, there's one less book off of my pull list. And then they started Batman Eternal. I was like, well, they dropped Bat Dark Knight, so okay. But then I wasn't thinking about the fact that I'm paying for four. Now I'm paying for four books, and they're doing the Future's End New Fifty Two thing. And well, they're- and they're sneaky about that one too because what's the first image that they show you for that Future's End? Batman Beyond. And from what I understand, is he's been in it very little. Oh, very sneaky. I, I, I got a hold of, I think the first issue and I read it and I think it starts with him, but then a complaint I've been hearing is that he's, that's about it. He's pretty much not hardly been in it at all. So you're saying that detective comics, actually DC stands for deceptive comics. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're tricky. Um, slippery. And then, I don't remember, here before too long, they're starting uh, Earth 2 World's End, which is going to be another weekly comic, which is brutal. And I'm not going to buy that one. I love Earth 2. It's 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 one of my favorite titles right now, but I'm not going to buy this, the World's End, Earth 2. It's, you know, and that that uh, title, just just, I have no concept, aside from what you've already kind of talked about for the earth two books um, of what it is, but it sounds very similar to what they have done time and again with the Marvel ultimate universe. They keep implying that some earth shaking thing may just totally end that universe. Mm -hmm. And so of course you buy it because you've been invested in this universe since this was going to kill everybody and it's still going. Okay. Okay. You're back. They, they I, keep buying. I lost you for a chunk of that. Um, I'm not sure. Oh. Oh, I'm not oh. sure. Yeah. It was, it, well, if you missed it, it's just a nerd rant. <laughs> I think, I think I got the beginning and the little bit of the end and together that makes sense, but I'm not sure what I missed in the middle. <laughs> Well, long story short, what what it seems like they're doing with uh, DC is the same thing they've done with Marvel mm-hmm. Ultimate, where they imply that they're going to end it, and, and then they don't really end it. Yeah, didn't they just have a couple big story arcs with Ultimate? Yeah. And no, yeah, I mean that's exactly what the, what DC's doing. I mean, if you look at the titles, it's the weeklies are Batman Eternal, in which they promise all kinds of huge changes. Right now. Um, although, to be honest, I'm totally falling behind on this. Last I knew, Gordon's in jail. All these other big changes are happening. So it's promising big, huge, permanent changes to the Batman universe, or the Batman in within the Batman universe, you know. Um, within the DC universe. And then you've got the New 52 Future's End. And then you've got Earth 2 World's End. And yeah, it's all very like huge, epic. This is forever changing. I did the nerd rant all over again. <laughs> that sucks. It, 
It's Marvel. <laughs> they don't want it's you. It's yeah. <laughs> they're listening. <laughs> they're they're dot mad. <laughs> dot, <now. laughs> dot no, you can't say that. <laughs> dot, dot no, you didn't. <laughs> dot no, you didn't. Hashtag stop it now. Stop it now. Hey, Melanie's here. We read what you tell us to, but first you have to exercise your voice. Cast your vote on GrawlixPodcast.com and tell us what poll list pick we're reading next. Then, listen to the next episode to hear what we thought of your recommendation. Don't see your favorite comic on the list? That's okay, you can write it in. If your candidate isn't chosen, just wait. It may be the next time. Your vote stays in place until it wins. It's fun, it's interactive, it's educational. It's true democracy in action. Warning! The following segments of this show contain full spoilers. Okay, um, we have limited time with Melanie today. So, uh, she's going to bail on us here in a little okay. bit. Cool. You ready for We Three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I should also see what our next pull list will be. Okay. Although I'm concerned because last time I looked at it, it was a four-way tie. So let's see if that's changed. <laughs> it has. Oh, it has changed. People oh, are actually voting. Somebody added another thing too. What's Ooh. the other thing? I like it when people add stuff. Well, either way, that didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next poll list we will do is Duncan the Wonder Dog. Woohoo! I wouldn't have Duncan that the Wonder Dog. Yeah, that's very much your pick. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I wanted that one. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, that should be a good follow-up to We Three. I have no idea what it is, but... <laughs> yeah, We Three was not what I thought it, it expected it to be, actually, either. Yeah. All right. Because yeah, you, you look at the images. Oh, are we going or are we not going? No, we're going. <laughs> I was just going to oh, say... Okay. I was just going to say We Three is written... It's a three-issue miniseries written by Grant Morrison and art by Frank Quietly. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You guys go for it. Okay, I thought it was going to be much more cutesy, <laughs> and it was definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Based on just the images that I saw, it mm-hmm. was like, okay. You know, you see, like, the dog talking in, like, the preview stuff that I'd seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun, you know? And then it was like, oh, hey, this is a good follow-up for the Punisher, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what I said when I got done reading it. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, cute talking animals, little robot suits. It's gonna be fun. And then I was like, well, I mean, I guess, it's, I guess it's kind of fun, but it's a lot more. Um, um, what's the word? I'm it, a lot for? more violent fun. Maybe? Yeah, it is very violent. Wow. Yeah, I was. I, I really enjoyed it though. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like um, the way that you feel when you watch. I mean, hopefully, you guys have seen this. Um, Rise of Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're like, oh, they've got this situation, it's weird, but it's good, and then it's like, no! Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you're like, I just want the animals to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's, um, I enjoyed it too. It's a very, it's, uh, for the most part, it's a very, like, simple story. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily, like, it's kind of, in a way, stuff you've seen. It's, it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, not necessarily, and I don't mean that in a bad way either. Um, it just takes that familiar concept 
of, you know, you got the scientists and the, the, the military aspect and mm-hmm. all that. And then, you know, of course, you got to set them free and all this. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting, just the fact that it's these uh, essentially household pets. Mm-hmm. These three household pets puts, like, a very interesting spin on it. Yeah. And I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed their personalities. Uh-huh. Because they, <laughs> yeah. they definitely had personalities, even through, like, the bizarre way they would do their dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like the bit where there's the rabbit is running, and he's like, run, rabbits, rabbits, run! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that was very humorous to me. Uh... It kind of reminds me of like like Frankenstein, like like corporate evil military Frankenstein kind of thing, like mm-hmm. the hubris hubris of man, like trying to take these things and and change them for their yeah. own wh- whatever reason, you know. And then of course it goes awry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially you know they're they're like oh they're killers, they're dangerous and whatever, whatever. But the whole time they're trying to be good and yeah, you know. They they don't intend to like really hurt people, but they're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And that's all the government's fault. That's not their fault. Well, yeah, and they're ju- yeah for the most part they're just doing animal things. Yeah. Um, and then you've even got the dog specifically who wants to do good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dogs uh, generally wants to do good, and of course you've got the cat who has the more independent. Uh, screw everybody else attitude yeah. and then the rabbit's just you know <laughs> the rabbit just wants to eat <laughs> so yeah. that pretty much boils down their personalities yeah but it's good i love how the cat is the hard case and it, like when they're trying to hunt him down and stuff they're like did you did you find the cat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're all worried about the cat yeah <laughs> like you should be you should be yeah. Well, you know, and you know, I think if it was were something real, that's kind of how it would be anyway. You'd be like, "Where's that cat?" <laughs> hiding up in the. This is just childhood stuff. The cats used to climb up on the, and hide on, on the top of the curtains, and then when people would come <laughs> in, they would jump off the curtains and attack people that came in the oh, door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we had a cat that would like attack us through the like railings of the stairs. Like he'd be up at the top, and you wouldn't see him, and you'd come up, and then all of a sudden you had like cat. Paw attacking your head. Uh-huh. Yeah. Granted, we probably had it coming because that cat was uh, got its share of bizarreties. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was was there something wrong with his claws? Because he kept mentioning claws, something about his claws. The, the cat. Yeah. I think he, it was the um. He had these little things that he would shoot out, and I think he was out of them. Oh, okay. I think that's what was going on, but I don't uh, know for sure because the the rabbit had something with his tail, and I'm not sure what happened there. I don't remember anything. Yeah, like the um the actiony scenes. I I enjoyed the actiony scenes, and for the most part, you'd get these like nice kind of almost spreads, um, and there'd be a lot of like very small inset panels going on. And there'd just be, like, little snippets of gore and violence. And that definitely, I liked that, and that worked. But there was a couple times, like, when the the rabbit apparently got his tail damaged or something. From that point on, he was very concerned about fixing his tail. I was kind of unclear. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of unclear on exactly what, what happened. Mm-hmm. If his tail, like, broke off, or I, I just kind of was unclear on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do, I really liked the way it was laid out with that with the little boxes. and. Mm-hmm. And things, and especially there were some some. I was going to mention that, yeah. The, the parts where it was like little slivers, but it was like them actually moving through them, and then mm-hmm. uh, 
where, where the panels almost make like a 3D panel flipping over shape. Yeah. And it's laid out very kind of ge- geometric like that. But yeah, and then each panel you can see stuff. Sometimes things are coming out of the panel. Mm-hmm. There were some definitely some very cool panel layout uh, panel layouts in 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 the issues. Yeah, I agree. When the story is laid out in a way where it's a nice balance of action and like backstory. Like I didn't feel like I didn't feel like oh come on let's get through this action sequence I didn't feel like they were too long I didn't feel like they were too short I felt like they bounced back and forth really well mm-hmm. yeah the balance was really good actually now that you mention it for sure because I never felt it lingered at any point too long and it doesn't it's a pretty quick read but it doesn't feel rushed either mm-hmm. um, right it just it's you're pretty much boom 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 and you're out and yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the, uh, maybe that's why I feel like it was a simple story, and I didn't, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way, it's just very, it's straightforward, this is what it is, mm-hmm. and it's good, it still has some, and it helps that they're animals, they're, they're typical mm-hmm. pets, you know, but mm-hmm. it still has emotional resonance throughout it. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't really give you time to question it. Like it doesn't. Uh, you're you're not. You're you could have a very strong disbelief, and it could take you out of the story. But you don't really get time for that for that to happen. So your disbelief is suspended pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was gonna say the the big scary dog that they send after them. Number four. Like, is that a mastiff? What yeah. Was that? Yeah, they said it was a mastiff. I thought he was adorable. I'm like, he doesn't seem scary to me. He's just a little puppy dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. The rats were pretty crazy. Yeah, the rats were kind of Yeah. Crazy. Especially the first where they first, like, introduce the rats and they have that one scientist and they make him out to be, uh, kind of ruthless, uh, a little evil with, uh, how much he seems to enjoy being able to control the rats to yeah. turn on each other. Yeah. Did did we set up the premise for the listeners? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh. I don't believe we did. <laughs> that, that just occurred to me. It's like we're talking about these crazy killer dogs and cats, but we didn't really set it up. I don't think. Wikipedia says the story follows a, a journey of. I have Wikipedia open, obviously. A journey yeah. of We Three, which is a squad of three prototype animal weapons, as they flee ca- captivity. Um, the group consists of a dog, a cat, and a rabbit, which I'm sure they might have guessed. And basically, they are um, they're wired into these into this robotic armor, and they've been trained to be um, uh, like take over f- as field soldiers for humans. Um, these specific animals they can't control. They've trained them to do what they do. They have all this 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 weaponry, um, but they're not under control, and they can also talk, kind of like they've yeah. wired them in to talk a little bit somehow. Um, the dialogue's really interesting with mm-hmm. the the anyway. Um, yeah, and basically, it's kind of it's like you guys mentioned Frankenstein. It's a uh, it's they're they're trying to escape. They're trying to get to to home, mm-hmm. trying to get to freedom, yeah. and of course the. Um, military what is it whatever military branch decides they want to shut them down because they also have this other thing where they can control the animals and that's what we're talking about with uh the 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 rats or the mice 
it kind of seemed like that's that they wanted to shut these animals down and go with that system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of seemed like the reason. And of course, there's there's the one scientist lady who who was kind of in charge of these animals, and she's attached, and and then that's how they escape. Yeah, but that's the basic basic rundown. Just uh, like listening to the synopsis there, it, it reminded me, uh, I just recently watched the new RoboCop. Have you guys seen that? Mm-mm. No. It it kind of has some parallels um, in that, you know, like that's kind of the new premise of RoboCop is is to replace law enforcement officers so that they don't get hurt kind of thing. Ah. Not to sidetrack us, but did you enjoy it? Is it good? I, oh, I, was, yeah. I was very yeah, weird. We, we had a really bizarre movie night where we did The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and RoboCop, and I got to tell you, it stands up. Really? <laughs> Next to James uh, to Thurber. <laughs> so uh, they they were good movies to watch together, surprisingly. Hmm. Interesting. I might have to check it out. Oh, I, I highly recommend it. Great cast, and uh, really they did a pretty good job of um, – you know, like rebooting it as much as I love those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've had yeah. <laughs> Listeners, if you haven't if you haven't figured that out yet, she oh. <laughs> absolutely adores when you start an old story over again and again and, <laughs> and again. again. Um, but yeah, this is a violent story. Uh, it's not for kids. Although, I would love a toy of the Wii 3 characters. Me too. One thing, like, the design of their suits is so bizarre to me. Like, it's yeah. it's such an unusual... Like, they could have went with, like... And I'm not saying they should have. They could have went with a typical, like, you might... Robotic animal. But instead, they went with these, like, really strangely shaped suits where... When they lunge, it's almost like a rocket, the way they're shaped. The back end, the back legs are always real big. Um, it's a very unusual design choice, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, it almost seemed like it would be more difficult for the... Well, I mean, I suppose if you're in a suit, it would be more difficult anyway. But it seems like it would be much more difficult for them to move. In, the, in those in, suits? In those suits, yeah. But... It was like a compact version of like the iRobot robots from the Will Smith version or um, almost like the robots from that episode where that Doctor Who episode where um, there's the two rooms and uh, Amelia Pond gets stuck there for like 40 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kindness, the kindness robots. I was like, that's kind of like that smooth, Uh but more compact, like a little shark tank slick design thing. Mm-hmm. Well, like, the design kind of makes sense with the rabbit. Like, that's kind of the way the design looks to me. I mean, the other animals have larger forearms, but um, mm-hmm. it's they've all got those, like, large, strangely shaped back ends. But yeah, it's definitely that smooth, almost white plastic looking yeah. type robot. And then they've got, like, the fiber optic, weird wispy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are those? The ones on their head? <laughs> well, they, what they, are those? They have them. They have them coming off. Um, they have them like coming off the back end t- too, and they're just kind of like there. Mm-hmm. See, they're cause... like cyber whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <They> do... <laughs> 
They do have them on their heads, though, too. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought it was just part of their, um, like, speech system. Mm. Oh, really? I could, I, uh, could be completely wrong. That was just, you know, sometimes my brain thinks things for no reason. No, sure, sure. Well, it could be, like, we have no other explanation, so. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, it's probably just a stylistic choice, but. Yeah. But it's definitely interesting. And the art, I did like the art. We do. It looks nice. Yeah. Frank quietly has a um, kind of unique style. Did quietly do uh, All Star Superman too? I think so. That? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, I could. It looked familiar, and I I wasn't certain if that was why or not. I, I bet so. Wikipedia tell us what is true. Yeah, All Star Superman. Yep. Good job, Wikipedia. Good job, <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> I totally didn't just type that in and edit Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> so that I could be right. Because Wikipedia is always to be trusted. <laughs> That's true. That's true, especially when I type things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we three, I would recommend it. It's a, it's a, it's a quick read. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind yeah. Of, yeah. It's it, something I would have read on my own had I uh, been smart enough to do so. <laughs> yeah. If I had known what it was, mm-hmm. I, it's something that I would have wanted to read. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And this came out in 2004. But yeah, I was not aware of this. I had not heard of this until shortly before we were putting together the poll list and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because we were like, what's good? Let's find out. Oh, yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah. But all right, any other thoughts on We 3? No. Nah. Thumbs up. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I agree. All right. That was the poll list. And are we going to have anything fun <laughs> for the poll list now? <laughs> we're going to get it. Good job. Nice musical interlude. <laughs> there goes the poll list. We're going to have a musical, a different musical interlude every episode. <laughs> Let's see. Now, I've got some Swamp Thing notes here. Okay. Where did I grab them? Are you going to read off the summaries this time? Sure. I think for Swamp Thing, book two, um, we'll basically we'll do an issue summary, and then we can maybe talk about that issue if we have a lot to say, or we can hold off until you know we, we're going to talk more about the arc. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple issues um, that I didn't really type out a summary, but you'll remember those issues. I refresh you. Okay. Like the Pogo issue. Yes. With the little, with the little cartoony comic strip guys. Oh, yeah. Crocodile men. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, was, I was like, what <laughs> is this? Is this Swamp Thing or did you give me the wrong comic book? She thought maybe like it was an ad. <laughs> an ad that was going several pages long. <laughs> But it, it is such a, like, it is such a just strange, different thing to throw in there. Um, well, even to, even today, I had to look at it again and and see, was this like, was this a one-off where someone else was writing it? Is this still Alan Moore? And I was like, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Saga of the Swamp Thing, book two, this covers Saga of the Swamp Thing, number... Uh, numbers 28 through 34, and the Swamp Thing Annual number 2. Um, of course, this is written by Alan Moore. So I've got Swamp Thing number 28. 
Three? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry if this is <laughs> difficult to read. No, it's okay. Saga of the Swamp Thing number 28. In this issue, we see Swamp Thing angrily reinforced to Abby that he does not want to be called Alec and that Alec Holland is dead. <laughs> Swampy then follows the apparent ghost of Alec back to the lab where Alec had died. Swamp Thing is taken through the final memories of Alec, including his death and the rise of Swamp Thing himself. He is able to use his experience to find the skeletal remains of Holland, which he then excuse me, which he then digs a more proper grave and buries the corpse. We see the ghost of Alec Holland smiling as he watches Swampy walk away. Very touching. All right, that's that issue. I don't have a whole lot to add on that one. It's it's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Kind of nice bookend for that first story arc. Yeah, yeah, really, it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, this one after you do the after you do the um, summary, we'll de- I'll definitely have stuff to talk about. But go ahead with this okay. one. The saga of the swamp thing number twenty nine. The first issue not approved by the Comics Code of Authority. Here we find a naked and bleeding Abby curled up on the kitchen floor. The narration tells us that she has burned her clothes and scrubbed herself bloody with a wire brush to rid the smell that haunts her. From there, we are taken through dreamy flashbacks to fill in how she came to be in this state. Her husband, Matt, has seemingly brought a house, excuse me, bought a house, and is now working for a company called Black River Recorporations. Meeting the other employees, she momentarily sees dead people and begins to feel ill. Back at their home, her and Matt, excuse me, back at her. No, you're doing good. You're doing great. You're doing so much better than I would do. Back at their new home, her and Matt make love. Trying to forcibly deny it, she hops from that memory dream to another dream in which her, her and Swamp Thing find a dead bird that is oddly still moving. From there, she recalls a trip to the library when she finds a book entailing the life of one of the employees at Black River, a murderer who had died 22 years prior. We return to Abby in the kitchen. She wakes and prepares to leave, but Matt arrives with the Black River employees. All zombied up, they grab her, and Matt (laughs) asks her to beg Uncle. Okay. We end this issue with Swamp Thing, who finds the dead bird. It is filled with bugs. Ew. Yeah, (laughs) that's the reason it was moving in her dream. Yeah. Um, Sorry, that... I did not, that little ask her to beg uncle, I don't know if I did that correctly. No, no, that's fine. Uh, some of it I kind of, I kind of wrote this up a little. I tried not to be, I tried to make it straightforward. And this one was kind of a long summary because it's kind of a, a lot, like, mm-hmm. this begins a pretty, like, important arc in the overall run of Swamp Thing. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to mention, yeah, this is the first um, issue of Swamp Thing that went went out without the comics code on the, on the cover. Um, it had got rejected. Apparently, um, from what I understand, uh, a lot of times the, they, they would submit the issues to the comics code authority. And a lot of times they would kind of skim it to make sure there's nothing going on. Well, this one, this has uh, some pretty strong images, including mm-hmm. Abby in the kitchen. And then also zombies for whatever reason, were a big sticking point with the comics code. Mm-hmm. Um, and towards the end, you've got Abby being held by by um, Matt and a bunch of zombies. So they figure that kind of raised some alarm, some bells uh, with the comics code. So they went through and actually read it. And you've got themes of incest, and and it's very dark. The whole thing is very dark, and it got rejected. And DC was like, oh. you know, yeah screw you, uh, and put it out anyway. And 
the next issue number 30 had the comics code because it had already been um submitted to the authority comics code authority and approved but other than that um this is when swamp thing first totally just dropped it they just dropped the comics code altogether and started putting it out as um sophisticated suspense <laughs> so you know they're like okay well let's just forget the code and this will definitely be marketed for adults um and it's the first mainstream comic series to totally abandon the code and go without it um the only other one that had done it would be occasionally um spider-man would do some issues where they'd go without the code but oftentimes that was like government sanctioned because it was dealing with um drug abuse which would depict things that was against the code but yeah, so this is the first mainstream comic to abandon the comic book code, which is, which, you know, has been dead for many years now. Yeah. But, and you can kind of tell, you can kind of tell. <laughs> like Swamp Thing was edgy before, but you can tell that, that, um, and it's not like it, it's not like more ever it might be debatable, but goes, goes gruesome or, or goes over the top for the sake of going over the top. Mm-hmm. But, um. You can tell that that uh, the restrictions come off from here on because there's definitely some very edgy things. Yeah, and the book uh, the book is better for it, I think. Okay, the swaga 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 the swaga the swaga of swamp thing number thirty. Abby is captured, and we learn that it is Anton Arcane who is occupying her husband Matt's body. Arcane, of course, being the villain who died at the beginning of Moore's run, and disturbingly, and more disturbingly, Abby's uncle. Arcane tells her that he was able to return from the land of the dead in a sort of astral form. While he could not return to his burnt former body, he was able to orchestrate everything from the release of the Monkey King to Matt's car crash, taking over Matt's body. Arcane's evil spreads out far into the world and beyond, drawing everyone and everything evil toward... Uh, that's the name Homa? of... That's the, that's like the town they live at. Okay. Towards and, towards Swamp Thing Country. Okay, towards Swamp Thing Country. And evil so strong, it causes the Joker to stop laughing. Uh, I love <laughs> that bit. Yeah. Anyway. It begins... <laughs> it begins snowing. Swamp Thing approaches the house to find Matt floating outside, though he figures out who is inhabiting Matt's body. He leaves Arcane outside to find Abby laying still in her bed. The issue ends with Swamp Thing exclaiming, How long... How long has she been dead? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is kind of another big one because I mean, we—I think the reader knew Arcane was in the body, mm-hmm. and the first—and if that first that last issue hadn't um, enforced that, this one outright says it. Yeah. And we've got a dead Abby, which is a big deal. Yeah. Okay. All Ready? right. Yep. Okay, the saga of something number thirty-one. Abby is dead, and Arcane tells Swamp Thing that not only is she dead, but he has possession of her soul, and it is damned. He goes on to say that he returned from the dead for revenge on Swamp Thing and Abby, but now his goal is to usher in an apocalypse. Swampy punches Arcane, who is stunned that he has been harmed. Arcane comments that the only way that would be possible is if Swamp Thing were an elemental. Swampy tosses Arcane about, and Matt is suddenly revived. Matt is able to cast Arcane out of his body, with his last bit of strength, Matt brings Abby back to life, but fails to retrieve her soul. And this is another big issue because, what well, elemental? What? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for reading Swampy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to call him Swamp Thing over and over again. So, and Swampy is yeah, you know, it's cute. I like Swampy. Yeah, that's okay. All right. Um, 
so yeah, Abby's Abby's alive at the end. It looks like Matt's dead. Um but she's she's like a husk, you know. Yeah. There's nothing there. She's All like right. one of the things that Swampy leaves behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. This... When you've got the monitor, like, in weird little cuts interspersed through this little story arc, too. Oh, did I, I forgot to write that. Yeah, and this is where, like, I love this bit because this is where... Like his evil is spreading out, and all these all these evil people and things are like slowly uh, moving towards. Did I not write that? Slowly moving towards where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of really cool uh, narration uh, written in here, and yeah, and it's even even felt out in space. Yeah. This is when I really... I mean, I was enjoying Swamp Thing, but the first time reading through it, this is I was really getting excited. I was like, oh, it's like getting epic now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and this next <laughs> issue, this is this is one of my favorite favorite issues. I'm sorry, this is kind of a long one because a, a lot happens. Mm-hmm. But. All right. Swamp Thing Annual number two. Abby's body is alive, but her soul is lost. Swamp Thing leaves his body to enter the Emerald Fathoms and goes beyond life itself. He arrives at the region of the just dead and encounters Deadman. Deadman says he has not seen Abby, but luckily, the phantom stranger enters and offers to guide Swamp Thing. He takes him to heaven, but instead of finding Abby, they find the human Alec Holland who thanks Swampy for putting him to rest. Abby is not in heaven, so the stranger and Swamp Thing depart for hell. They encounter the specter, who tells them he has seen Abby, but she would not be allowed to leave. The stranger outwits the specter, and they are allowed to pass into hell. There, Etrigan emerges and takes over guiding Swamp Thing as the stranger cannot go further into hell. Along their trek, they pass General Sunderland, as well as Arcane, being tortured in various ways. Great moment. Arcane asks Swamp Thing how many years he has been down there, but Swampy replies, since yesterday. Yeah, that is a great moment. (laughs) They find Abby, battle off some demons, and Etrigan opens a portal for them to return to the world of the living. They return and Abby is safe and sound, but with no memory of what happened. Okay, this one, I, I tried to boil the summary down to, like, boom, you know, mm-hmm. the basics. Yeah. Um, but a lot happened in this one. I really enjoy, I enjoyed the encounter with Dead Man, who I haven't really read much of before. I've read some of his, oh. I've, I've come across him in some of the New 52 stuff, but, and what do they it's call pretty him? pretty fun. Yeah, I, I like him. The stuff in Heaven with the Phantom Stranger was interesting. And Swamp Thing encounters also comes across what's it Linda Holland, but decides not to. You know he's not mm-hmm. going to talk to her. Yeah. The Spectre is awesome when they come across him because these they're, they're like there. This is after they're out of heaven, and a huge gigantic eye opens up, and that it's the Spectre. Mm-hmm. I thought that stuff was cool. Mm-hmm. I again, I really like Etrigan. I don't yeah. know why, but he's fun. Yeah, he is fun. I always enjoy when he's in there. I. Don't really remember what they were doing to Sunderland, but I love the arcane moment, and that's why I had to note it there, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, how many years have I been here? And then there's kind of a lot of like battling and running at the end, but yeah, then they get back. Yeah. Well, and when they get back, I, I was just 
flipping through the pages, and uh, Etrigan like draws that symbol in the air, and it's like totally the symbol from V for Vendetta. I don't know if that's like a nod or not, but is it? What's that circle with the V? Oh, that's very interesting. So, I, I'm just curious about that now because I I hadn't thought about it when when it happened the first time. Mm-hmm. When I read it the first time. I probably need to get going. Oh, you need to get going. Okay. Yeah. Well, I gotta I gotta get back to the bus and then I gotta get to the zoo by two. So. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Here that's I'm. what we call our work too. What? <laughs> <laughs> I call I call my work the zoo too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> okay, well, it was fun, and you guys enjoy the rest of the um, podcast. Sorry, I couldn't be there for it. Okay, it's okay. Thanks, though. Have a good one. I am back, and I am going to switch microphones. I knew you were going to do that. Well, you had the better microphone. I know. I was. Uh, I had to go grab. Some stuff from my mom. I don't know if you saw that chat message. Oh, huh. Oh, so there was a minute there where I was like totally gone. And I was like, I hope this doesn't wreck anything. Oh, we noticed that. And it, I mean, I don't know how long you were gone. You were probably gone for a while before we noticed. But we figured mm-hmm. you were you were away from the computer for a moment. So we just moved on. Good. But- I, 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 did. I, I don't know. I wanted to try and, like, incognito let you guys know, but I was like, crap, my mom dropped some stuff off, and she was out back, and I was like, I could, it, we weren't gone, I wasn't gone for more than in, the one issue, but it was that issue with the comics code, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it, ah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I see the the chat message now. Uh, no, if there was anything you wanted to add about that. I just kind of like boiled down about like most likely what the comics code had um had problem with in there like the themes of incest and the the violence oh, yeah. and the zombies because oddly enough zombies were a big sticking point with them. Well, and sal- that self-flagellation was probably Oh yeah, yeah, no kidding. Scraping the skin off, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I really liked I liked the Swamp Thing annual, and actually the first time I read through this, I didn't realize the annual went there, so I like uh, skipped it, and it's pretty big. And by the oh, time yeah. and the Pogo issue is kind of a the next issue is kind of a one off, and then we get back to Abby, and I was like, wait, what what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> wait. She's back again. <laughs> so, so, so I had to uh, I had to go back and find it, and I read it a little out of order. But but yeah, I, I really like that, especially that. I mean, I call it a team up, but it's just kind of Swamp Thing hangs out with these these different people for a moment. But I think Swamp Thing works in these situations where they can go to heaven and hell and and uh, what's the region of the just dead? You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, if anybody can, he can. Like other characters, probably it gets a little weird if you send Superman through this kind of existential, uh, planar mm-hmm. hopping kind of thing. But but with Swamp, you know, you start to get that idea that he's an elemental, and and it and it just seems to work a little bit better. Yeah, I dug how they uh, kept using like these. <laughs> they kept using, and I guess they always do this when the stranger's involved. But they always do like a quick one-liner or, or uh, wordplay about how he's 
you know, a stranger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a pun, but not quite. I like the Phantom Stranger. I tried to read the new 52 Phantom Stranger series, and it's mm-hmm. not that it was bad, but, it, like, at least at the beginning of the run, it was referencing all these events that I had, like, I'm assuming it happened in other series, in other um, titles, and I didn't know what was going on, so I dropped it. I didn't have enough, like, knowledge of the DC universe at that moment to, for it to, like, really have resonance with me. Which is funny, because that's the whole point of the new 52. It, it's supposed to be, like, all these new titles relaunching so that they're self-contained, so that people kind of have a good starting point. And yet, yeah, they, when you deal with him, when you deal with a, like a sort of a cosmic entity, if you don't have a firm basis of what that universe is about, it's so, so hard to get into. Yeah. And, but I don't really feel that necessarily, um, is an issue in here either though, too, because, <laughs> because it's, it's still contained to this swamp thing story even though you come across these other characters a bit. But. And his part in it is kind of a mystery, so you're kind of figuring it out as you go along, mm-hmm. too. You're like, why, why is he involved? What, what's, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Apparently Abby's a big deal. What up? <laughs> uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing, number 32. I have no summary for it because I didn't necessarily, I mean, we don't necessarily get into need to get into the whole story, but it's the Pogo issue yeah what i figure we'll talk about this one a lot yeah it's weird yeah <laughs> we already started talking about it a little bit this one is really weird like it's such a strange decision to pull this reference uh pull the reference to pogo and you've got these really um very cartoony looking cute little creatures that come come basically into the swamp things world and you've got this story, but at the same time, like, this is one of, I think, like, as awful as the stuff that happens between Swamp Thing and Abby and and her husband and all this other stuff, like, because these are such cute little creatures, this is one of the most heartbreaking issues of the whole run. Yeah, surprisingly it is. It's like, they're so, yeah. When you do something terrible to, like, this cute, innocent thing, it's just the worst and he plays that card yeah he plays it several times too like uh there's the there's a huge con or, you know the huge climax mm-hmm. situation that occurs and then you've got all the other little things where they start to realize that this planet is not any different than the one that they left you know that scene where they they kind of happen upon civilization because swamp things like no you got to see this oh yeah <laughs> And he's yeah. like seeing them eat meat and all that stuff, and it's like, oh no! Big, yeah, a lot of a big social commentary on this one, which tends to, you know, it's Swamp Thing, of course, it tends to swim uh, to creep in there, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this issue a lot, but it's it's hardcore. <laughs> so yeah, they're basically just a, it, since we don't have a, really a synopsis for this one. It's like these little, uh, they're, they're like micro, almost micro-sized. Like their spaceship is basically uh, disguised to look like a turtle. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then they, they arrive on Earth, 
And they are like these micro-sized, uh, almost, like, would you say they're like crocodile creatures? Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, exactly. They're like crocodile creatures. I think some of them might be look a little different too, like, but for the most part, yeah, they're very crocodile-looking little creatures. Little, but they're cartoony. They walk upright and and such. And they have spacesuits, and they have like white-gloved hands. So I mean, that even further lends itself to that cartoony look. Yeah, and they're all very they're all very colorful, primary type colors, and each one's got oh, yeah. each suit. They have different colored suits, and yeah. And they have like their own uh, waves, their own linguistics, their own ways of speaking. Oh wow, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Which is like one of the most. I mean, I I think that was one of the most brilliant parts of the writing of this. Uh, is is just that the way that they speak, you can you can decipher what they're saying because it's very similar to the way that we speak, but like sideways. A little sideways, the way that they use the words. Yeah, it's very unusual. You have to decipher it. You like, you have to. It 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 plays with your head for a moment, but it's there. Like it it's it's straightforward, and it's also consistent throughout the whole book. I've got, I've got a page out in front of me uh, where, uh, kind of like the captain is talking. I don't know if he's the captain or he's he's like a second hand. You know, like, uh, you know his first or whatever. And uh, then there's the, like the next, like the subordinate is talking to him and he's like making amusements about the lady. Definitely not go distrangle the histricide and tell the umbrella birds to break out the skips <laughs> and don't be unmembered to tell the tattling and see if old strigiform is fetchable. Now about a new lady, a new lady as in big rementable, Mental as the old one. So you've got almost like a Lewis Carroll type of, like, it's nonsense, but it's not nonsense. It's like you can kind of figure out what they're saying. Yeah. Just uh, strange verbiage and, yeah. Yeah. I'd- I really dug that, though. It, was, it makes it really fun to kind of read, but you have to be paying attention. So it, it captures your attention, too. Yeah, it's a very unusual, and I'm, I'd be curious as to, like, how this issue came about, really. Uh, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he just had this idea, but it's so strange, because it comes out of left field. I mean, literally, we're coming off this big this big story arc where um, Abby had died and Swamp Thing traveled to hell to get Abby back, and then we've got this, this, this out-of-nowhere story with these creatures... Um, do they call them pogs or do they, I thought they called them pogs. Yeah. At the beginning, was it at the end of that one issue? They say next issue pog. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and that was the one it was at the end. It's before the annual, they say next issue pog. And then you get the annual. So I was like, what is this about? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely a good one, and obviously it's 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 a one off, so it, it it stands on its own. Um, a really, like I said, I, I I had skipped Swamp Thing Annual Number Two, so it's really jarring to go from the last ish uh, to, from issue thirty one to uh, Pog. Yeah. Like okay, okay, I guess we're taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and and they they appear they appear again. They make a couple appearances. Um, but always in Swamp Thing. I'm trying to remember if I see them if 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 they're again if they're in the uh, Alan Moore stuff again. I don't recall them appearing again, but I could be wrong. A lot of uh, issues. <laughs> it's a lot of issues. But alien ally of the Swamp Thing. I'm on Comic Vine. Looking at it, it looks like there's a couple of appearances, but looks like they appear in issue 96, 97, and 98. But this looks like it's just Swamp Thing, not Saga. Okay. Well, I think they do the uh, title switch partway through Alan Moore's run. So he's on uh, Swamp Thing. I think in the 40s, they just switch to uh, Swamp Thing, and it continues as normal. And I believe the first issue of Swamp Thing is like Swamp Thing number 43 or 46 or something like that. So they even keep the numbering. Um, but he, he's definitely off of it by the 90s. Ah. Uh, so I have not read it. I would be kind of interested to... I I do kind of want to read on. But I guess that's an issue for when we get far later into the run. It's just... Sure. I, I don't want to. I do, and I don't. And you'll see why when we get there, but... Okay. Um, Saga of the Swamp Thing number 33. This is another one that I did not... Here, I'm going to go ahead and pull up... Speaking of Comic Vine... <laughs> if you uh, check out the summaries for Saga of the Swamp Thing on Comic Vine, very similar, uh-huh. very similar to the summaries that we read here. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's very, it's very handy. I do a little reworking and then try to make sure to like include moments that I, uh, some of my favorite moments, but this, I did this issue was weird. And at first I, I wasn't sure I was going to get into it, but it, it, uh, it came around for me anyways. I mean, it was a good issue. It just was like, again, it, it's like we just followed up, uh, we just followed up. Abby coming back, and then it's like, boom, we're going to go into yet another kind of bizarre dream world. Yeah. Yeah, and this one, this is kind of the reason I I didn't do the um, summary. I didn't type out the summaries, because there's just a lot of crazy stuff. But according to Comic Vine, the issue's kind of split into three different parts. Pages one through six is written by Alan Moore and drawn by Ron Randall. And then pages 7 through 14 is a reprint of House of Secrets number 92, Swamp Thing, written by Len Wein and drawn, drawn by Bernie Wrightson, which are the uh, creators that uh, that uh, created Swamp Thing. Oh, wow. Also, uh, a kind of interesting note, this is kind of like a, a podcast recommendation. Um, the Nerdist Writers panel does comic edition episodes, and oftentimes Len Wein is one of the like co-hosts. So it's, those are always, those are always good because that guy, he created Swamp Thing, he created Wolverine and he's been working in comics for decades. So that guy's always got interesting things to say. Yeah. That's crazy. I, it's done really well. Um, the way that this is jumps between the two, because I guess I hadn't really, noticed it because it's kind of like a flashback. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. Because the character is, like, telling a story. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't realize it was, like, uh, it reprinted part of a, a another issue. Um, 
and then of course uh the last part of the book uh 15 through 20 jumps back to uh alan moore and art by ron randall again right but yeah this is a weird one because it's it's abby it's a very it's again a dreamy type one um she meets two men named abel and cain which you don't really realize is them until the end like that's not spelled out right away it's just like they're brothers Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's so bizarre but they they basically and this kind of this is interesting because more ends up tying this i don't know if he does it right now but this will come back more ties this into kind of the swamp thing uh mythology and um basically Abby's told the story of uh, another Swamp Thing-type situation that closely mirrors um, Alec Holland's story. I mean, it's different, but it's very similar. Yeah. Um, it's basically the same story, but made more like a love triangle. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what else to say about this one. That was that was another issue with this one. This was it's it's such a strange one that it's it's hard to say. Like it was. It a, reminds. What's it that? reminds me of the DC. You know, like DC does Elseworlds. It's like throwing an Elseworlds story right in the middle of like a story arc, and yet it pertains because like she's supposed to carry back this big secret of the fact that he's elemental, mm-hmm. and then can't because you don't always remember things in dreams and that's the rule with secrets part of what makes i think alan moore's run on this so so great is that he can pull this from this um pull this story this like alternate swamp thing story from another title and then use that to tie into his bigger story that kind of evolves swamp thing the character of swamp thing into this 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 new type situation yeah, it was clever. It was just kind of strange. Mm-hmm. And in the end, uh, Abby wakes up and she's about to write down the big, the story of the dream, and her phone rings and she can't, and then she forgets it. She can't remember what what the dream was about. So that's number thirty three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On a monopia, random. <laughs> what happened? I just said boom, and so I was okay. On a monopia, you know. I got so lost. I was so lost <laughs> because reasons. Because because reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's see. And. Episode uh, issue thirty four. I believe this is the last issue in book two. Yes, at least I hope it is. Awkward, is... awkward transition to awkward issue. <laughs> yeah, but this is like another. This is another big issue because this is the. Uh, uh, I'm sure this is going to set up some things for book three pretty big. I imagine it plays in. Yeah, it's 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 definitely relevant. Um, this. Summary. I did. I type. Okay. I typed these up late last night. Um, towards the end, I was like, "Oh, I just need to. I need to hurry up and get through this." So this summary is going to be very similar to the one you'll find on Comic Vine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Saga of the Swamp Thing number 34. We find Abby in the hospital looking after Matt. He is connected to tubes keeping him alive after the draining events of issue number 31. And that issue kind of left, um, it kind of seemed like Matt be, might be dead, but he's not. He he kind of seems like he's in a coma-type state. Um, the doctors say he won't recover. Upset, she leaves for the, Abby leaves for the swamp. There she finds Swamp Thing and confesses her love to him. He reciprocates, and they begin to start a, rela- a relationship. Swampy believes there should be a form of communion for their love, and since physical relations are not possible, he produces a yam-like tuber. The yams make another appearance. <laughs> oh, hey. And gives it to Abby. That's awfully, it's awfully yamorous of him. Uh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, (laughs) she eats it and is taken on a psychedelic trip yeah yep i love the artwork in this if i remember right this is where i mean i always like it when swamp thing leaves his body and they have like a nice um they do the nice spreads the two page like splashes where it's just this really bizarre stuff. And this issue I want to say is like a lot of that. It's pretty much, it is, it is a psychedelic trip, but the art is so nice in this. It's like all the panels are like each, each panel could be one of those velvet paintings or one of those (laughs) like black, (laughs) like trippy black light posters. Yeah. Yeah. Every panel is like that. It's, it's pretty cool though. I mean, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> um, yeah. And after they finish, uh, they walk. They share a kiss. And walk away. And when they have that really that funny awkward moment where Abby's like, "Does this uh does this mean we're going out?" <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> I like this issue, and it does set up because it sets up another kind of big element to the swamp thing mythology are these 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 tubers these yams which we touched which was touched on um in the first arc when, yeah but uh when uh, when the, he steals the the uh, was it the floronic man steals the yam eats the yam becomes like super aware of the green and mm-hmm. goes crazy mhm and the yams might play a role in future issues. I'd be surprised if they didn't. And this is another one. I mean, I, I'm sure if they had to abide by the comics code, it would still essentially be the same issue. Um, they might have had to, like, change the art a little bit. But this is another one that definitely um, feels freed by the fact that they don't have to concern themselves with the comic code authority. Oh, so they they ditched the comics code uh, for the title, like from that issue on. Yeah, from issue, uh, which one was it? From issue twenty nine. Okay, issue twenty nine was the first one they ditched because they had submitted it. Um, the comics code rejected it, and and DC was like, okay, well, forget it. We're just not going to worry about it, and they didn't put it on there. Issue thirty did have was approved by the comics code, but that's because they had already submitted it and it got approved. And then after that, issue thirty-one and thirty-one and on, they just didn't even bother. And about then, they started uh, 
adding the title uh, Sophisticated Suspense to the uh, books to kind of like, the idea was to like, this is for adults, not so much for kids, you know, kids stay away. Ah. So, so yeah, um, after issue 30, they pretty much abandon the comics code and it just goes, they just go without from now on. It's the first mainstream comic um, to do it outside of the occasional Spider-Man where they would uh, deal with drug issues. Oh, yeah. Which, according to the article I was reading last night, was a government-sanctioned thing where, like, they'd be like, we need to raise drug awareness, and Marvel would be like, hey, Spider-Man will do a drug issue, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And then Harry Osborn would, like, become an addict, and as, as if his dad being the Green Goblin wasn't bad enough for him. Yeah. Now we're gonna now we're gonna make him a junkie. <laughs> <laughs> junkie. <laughs> hey, Harry Osborn, you've got everything going for you. You're you're the son of a billionaire, and uh, he just happens to be a deranged sociopathic killer guy that wears a Green Goblin mask. But you know, hey, how about you start doing drugs? Yeah, things could be worse. Like this. Try now. <laughs> now you're jonesing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Life is coming up roses when you're a green goblin, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yep. There we go. Swamp Thing! (laughs) That's like Swamp Thing. Just like Swamp Thing. When you're green. (laughs) There you go, yeah. It's all about color. That's racist. (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. I didn't mean to go there. Uh (laughs) No, no, no. Um, I was trying to think of a rhyme with green. All I thought was mean, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't make it work. Um... Kids, kids, if you're listening, Kermit the Frog said it best when he said, it's not easy being green. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Hey, I, uh, my uh, internet is crapping. Do we want to uh, wrap it then? Yeah. Like, come up with our Frog's outro? And it wouldn't be Frog's without some kind of hiccup. This is very true. This has been Jesse. Be Grolics to each other. And Grolics on, dudes. This is Randy. I can't do that, Grolics. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vorpal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives, 4.0 International License. To hear more, visit GrolixPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast and like us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Podcast. Uh, I know my my ability this on. The- whoa, whoa, whoa! According to this, I have three Jessies in my uh, in the Google Hangout. Should I get rid of these guys?
You're so glitchy. It sounds amazing. I'm going to have to, I'll send you, I'll send you an audio clip of what this glitchiness sounds like later. There's a good radio right here. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, No, it's not. It's not.